that your word will be preached with power, authority, but most of all in love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those of you that have your weapons with you, your scriptures, your Bible, whether in good old-fashioned hard copy like me, or whether you have it on your device, please go with me to the Old Testament prophet of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, chapter number 3. Our emphasis will be on verse 15, but we're going to start at verse 14. Amen? Jeremiah, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to be reading in the New King James Version of the Bible. When you have it, say amen. I need four more people. Amen? All right. And this is what the word of God says. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. For a subject this morning, we want to talk about another gift. Another gift. So as we rapidly approach Christmas and folks are out at the mall and not at church, as we continue on this path and journey toward buying gifts and getting ready to do what, Chuck? Give these great gifts. Amen? We are all set. The holiday season is there. And, you know, the wind has been blowing coming up from uh, Kentucky where it destroyed everything. And, and uh, you've been challenged, or at least I've been challenged in my life, uh, because I have this thing that really bothers me. I would rather that the wind blew the power out of my home rather than one of those shopping carts that you did not put back run into my car. It cost me nothing to have my power restored, DTE or Consumer Powers, whichever one you have, uh, they'll take care of that. But that car, hmm, that's coming out of my pocket, amen? So we have to uh, make sure that we put our carts back. That's message number one. But as we're out here shopping and we're looking for these great gifts, I'm thinking about what can you get someone? What can you get someone? Saitori and I on uh, November 29th celebrated 41 years of marriage. That's a whole lot. Oh, bless you. Thank you. That's a whole lot, nephew Tito. That's a whole lot of Christmas presents. That's a whole lot of birthday presents. That's a whole lot of anniversary presents. What do you get the woman that has everything? Amen. She told me a new car. I told her, you just got a car in 2019, amen, but she getting one, but anyway, so you're wondering what, what gift to get, and because we're in this giving season, we give the gifts, of course, because of what the wise men did when they brought Jesus to give, frankincense, gold, and mirror, so we carry on that principle and that tradition by giving one another gifts, but we all know and recognize that the greatest gift that we have received is Jesus Christ. That's the reason we're celebrating what well, we that are believers. We are celebrating because that gift had to be born. Amen. And so because of that, we know that the greatest gift that any human being can receive is salvation. And that comes through Jesus. However, there are other gifts, aren't there? And there is one gift that the church has that we don't oftentimes look at as a gift. 
we don't even recognize the importance of the gift oftentimes. But I've discovered something through this uh, pandemic that more and more people are appreciating the pastoral gift. As a matter of fact, if you don't, you should, because every day pastors are leaving their churches. Every day they are contemplating quitting the ministry because of this pandemic and how it has worn on them. Yes, it's worn on you mentally and financially and other ways, health, the loss of loved ones, but it has destroyed so many pastors. And the challenge is there for them, and, and I recognize that maybe you're in the wrong game. Maybe you shouldn't be there. Maybe you just went instead of being sent. You see, the gift that we have in Christ is, is paramount to everything. But there has to be growth within this relationship of salvation, doesn't it? Amen? And so you need a pastor in your life. You need a shepherd to guide you, or as we say, the under-shepherd to Christ. You need somebody right here on this earth that will help lead you into a great relationship with God. And so here, in our text, we find out some things about God and about shepherds. Amen? So, you all are very familiar with the book of Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite preachers. Uh, great prophet. I like Jeremiah because his ministry had nothing to do with how many people were in the sanctuary. His ministry had nothing to do with how big or mega his church was. You see, I like Jeremiah because Jeremiah had a ministry that lasted over 40 years and nobody got saved. But he kept on preaching. You see, at this time in the nation of Israel, it says in 14, return, O backsliding children, and, the, and says the Lord, for I am married to you, and I will take you from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. What is God talking about through Jeremiah here? Well, at this time, Israel has been in disobedience to God for about 900 years. <laughs> Matter of fact, after the kingdom split, one part of Israel is already gone, the northern kingdom, which was called uh, Israel, they had been taken away in captivity in 722 B.C. by the Assyrian army. And at this time, uh, the lower kingdom, the southern kingdom, Judah, is still around. And so Jeremiah steadied preaching to all of them, though. He's preaching to Israel, that is away. He's preaching to uh, Judah, that is currently there. But he's telling them that God is telling you, you've been away from me for 900 years. And that lets me know something about the nature and the character of God. You know how you've been praying for your daughter? You know how you've been praying for your son? You know how you've been praying for family members? And you have family members that are 62 years old and they've never given their heart to Jesus. And you always talking about how I don't know what it's going to take. Well, it's not in your time. It's in God's time. You keep on praying. Because we learned that God 
really loves us. He loves us enough to wait and to wait and to wait. Here are his chosen people. 900 years they've rejected him consistently. And just like many of us in our lifetime, you know I love church kids because church kids become saints one day. There's many a child that has grown up in the faith but was not in the faith. They grew up in the church. But as we used to say, the church wasn't in them. And some of you are sitting in here right now, so your amen should be louder. You haven't always walked in the manner you're walking now. Learn two or three scriptures. Thank you, Moses. Amen. Always talking about what they need to do and what they're not doing and how they live in this raggedy lifestyle and we have forgotten how we lived. God is long-suffering and he has suffered long here in this text with Israel. But then he tells them something important. He tells them through Jeremiah, come back to him. Come back to me. I want you to return unto me. I am married to you. Don't Stay away from me. I will bless you. And how am I going to bless you? If you return to me, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to give you shepherds, pastors. How will I give them to you? According to my heart. So while we're looking at... Uh, the, the uh, Samuel mode of looking at people in ministry. You know what the Samuel mode is. You remember Samuel? How he went to Jesse's house because God told him to. Because the, the next king of Israel is over at Jesse's house. And how Samuel looked at all Jesse's tall, good-looking, powerfully built sons and said, surely this is the anointing of God. Because he's looking at the outside. And God told him, you look at the outside, I look inward. I have chosen over at Jesse's house a man after my own heart. That's what I have chosen. And it turned out to be a 14-year-old boy who was nothing but a shepherd. Because God does not look and view things in the same way that we do. He looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. So when you start talking about under shepherds, when you start talking about pastors, resumes aren't as important as their heart. He looks at the heart. And, and in the Bible, when it talks about heart, it's talking about the totality of who we are. It's talking about everything, your intellect, your mind, everything contains heart. That's why Proverbs tells you to guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Some sister in here ought to say amen. I will send you shepherds according to my heart. What's the key word here for Israel? God's going to send them. He's going to give them. I will give them to you. Translation, you can't pick them. If we pick them, we'll do wrong. You see, for 41 years, we had the best. 
for 41 years. But, but you need to go back to late 1979. You need to go back. The last person that church, community, clergy, long-time pastors expected to be the pastor after Reverend Watson of the Macedonia Baptist Church was Charles D. Twyman. Hadn't been preaching but a New York minute. Hadn't been to seminary, hadn't been to theology school. People on the outside looking at the natural said, they picked Butch? That's what they said. But see, we don't know what God knows. What they didn't look at, what they could not see was the heart of the man. What they could not see and could not understand was the anointing upon his life. What they could not see was his work ethic and the ability to diligently serve God with authenticity and truth. They couldn't see that. And that's because he was given. He was sent. They voted, but they didn't pick him. God did. And so in the same light, we and every church in America that's seeking a pastor had better make sure that God sends him. Instead of Instead of talking about qualifications, and you need to, have you been praying, Lord, send us a pastor? The church I serve right here today, 27 years ago, it was the second Saturday in December that the late Deacon Charlie Wright called me and said, hello, pastor. And I knew that I was the next pastor. And similar to my pastor, <clears throat> nobody thought it would be me, except my pastor, because God talks to him. He started telling the church I was going before I'd even been interviewed. But that's because God sent me. I, I, they didn't pick me. They think they did. But God sent me there. And I know this because that's what he does. Because when he sends and gives you that shepherd to lead and guide you, then everything is going to work to the glory of God. See, that's the first thing you want to look at when you're looking at the heart. Who do they magnify? Do they magnify God or do they magnify their education? Do they magnify God or do they magnify, you know, uh, their articulation of the words? Who is getting the glory out of their lives? And you can tell that it's a gift. It's a gift from God. So God's going to send somebody. He says they're going to have his heart, right, right? And then they're going to do something. What are they going to do? They're going to feed God's people. They're going to feed them with something. What are they going to feed them with? With knowledge, and not just knowledge, but understanding. 
See, let me give you an example. The world told me when I came into this church that a lifestyle that I grew up with, a baby boomer, black kid in the urban area, we were taught a pair and a spare. People of my generation know what I'm talking about. You had multiple women. Amen? You not only had multiple women, but it was all right to engage with them prior to marriage. Okay? That's what the world taught us. That's what we followed. Inside and outside of the church. Say amen. But I came to this church. And I found out that was sin. And that's not what God was talking about. Because I was being fed with first knowledge and then understanding about what God ordained for his creation. And that marriage was the highest form of relationship on this earth. I found that out. Not my kids, but my wife. Because I was being fed with what? Knowledge and understanding. And if it's anything that this world needs right now, it's some pastors that will feed the flock with knowledge and understanding. We have taken this gospel of Jesus Christ, we have taken the word of God, and we have turned this into a self-help clinic so that you can live your best life. Instead of living our lives to glorify God, instead of living our lives to serve, we got pulpits all around this country where Negroes are being served instead of serving. God doesn't send the pastor to be served. He sends the pastor to serve. That's why it's called servant leadership. That's why it's the same way at the crib, you see. That's why the husband, the male of the creation, is the head of the household. He's the servant leader. Amen? Which translation is not what you think it is in the world. That does not mean he's anybody's boss. What that means is he's a slave to his wife and to his children. That's what that means. He drives the raggedy hoopty car. If somebody can't get a winter coat, it's him that does not get the winter coat. That's what servant leadership is in the eyes of God. You say, how you know that? Oh, it's real easy because when the sons of thunder came to Jesus and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, let one of us sit on the right and one sit on the left. And Jesus did not dismiss them and say, uh, that's arrogant. He didn't say that's not possible in the way you want to do it. What he said was, one, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink from? And guess what? They could. But then he said this, if any's going to be great among you, i.e. a leader, be a servant. Greek translation, a slave to your brother or your sister. So that tells me that uh, if you're going to be a shepherd, if you're going to lead the house of God, you better make sure that your mentality says that you are going to serve and not be served. Say amen, somebody. I'm going to preach about this gift because pastors are a gift, and we don't often view them as a gift. We think that uh, everything about their lives revolves around 
your life because all you think about is you. Amen? Let's be honest here. Uh, Pastor, I get this, this text all the time. I hate to bother you, but no, you don't hate to bother me. Because if you authentically hated bothering me, you wouldn't be bothering me right now. I hate to bother. Or or this one. Phone rings. Hello? Hello, Pastor. This This is Sister X. Hello, Sister X. Are you busy? I'm always busy. Just tell me what you want. Are you busy? I'm always busy. Stop calling your pastor and asking them if they are busy. Ask them, are you available to talk right now? Ask that because they always busy. Amen? But when God gives them to you, they will feed you. Now, you might not always like the meal. I never like okra. But my mother put it on the plate anyway. So what you're getting fed, you might not want all the time. And here's the biggest lie I've ever been told. Why'd you leave that ministry? Well, you know, I wasn't being fed. You lied. Tell me you wasn't being You weren't eating. You wasn't being fed. Like you some kind of spiritual giant. Like you didn't pick up your Bible today. But see, this is the reason we need pastors. This is the reason God gives them to us so they can challenge us in this walk. Because this walk is not easy. And so you have to be what? Transformed, right? By your mind being renewed, your thinking has to change. And the only way your thinking can change is through the word of God. So therefore, we need pastors that will feed us with knowledge and understanding. We need pastors that will let us know that how the world thinks is not how we think. We need pastors that will let us know that the greatest joy, the greatest lifestyle one can have is serving the Lord. We need pastors that will take us out of the pleasure principle of our flesh and Get that joy on the inside by living by our spirit. We need pastors that will teach us just what happened out in Oxford, Michigan. That the storms of life came, but in the midst of the storm, there is somebody. I remember some guys in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee, and the storm rose up, and they hollered out, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus is in the hull of the ship chilling, sleep on a pillow, got up, and in his mind, I could see him saying, have you forgotten what I told you? I just told you get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side. So what part of your lack of faith thinks that we're not going to make it to the other side? I know you some fishermen. I know you know how to see where it's up over here, but I'm on this ship. And he stepped out and said, peace be still. 
See, pastors will help you to see how Jesus will operate when the winds are blowing like they blew in Kentucky. When the winds are blowing in your life and storms are in your life. He will teach you that the prophet Nahum wrote that God is in the midst of the storm and the whirlwind. So as we navigate this pandemic, he will show us that in the midst of the pandemic, God is still there. He's still in charge. He still controls the winds and the waves. He still has the ability to say, peace be still. And guess what? I can be fearful in my faith all I want. I can be small in my faith all I want because my faith has to grow. And if I'm lacking in my faith like them disciples were, ain't no problem. Jesus was on board. And he going to take care of it all. But you only know that when you have an authentic shepherd. If your shepherd has never made your flesh angry, you in the wrong church. Mm -hmm. Because a real shepherd, one sent by God, ain't excuse my ain't, ain't scared of y'all. Not afraid of y'all. He's not concerned about his wallet because he knows who his source and supply is. So therefore, he can feed you with knowledge and understanding. Oh, it's a great gift. I'm not done yet. So going back to my text, Israel, or Judah in this case, for the most part, didn't listen. And in 586 B.C., they were taken into captivity. You heard of Daniel, right? Daniel was one of the ones that was taken. Him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But God was true to his word. He restored them eventually. And they came back to Jerusalem. So here we are on the brink of celebrating the birth of Christ. Here we are on the brink of celebrating Christmas and giving gifts to one another because we have been given the great gift. Please don't forget, we got another gift, and that's the shepherd. We got another gift, the one that God sends. And I'll tell you something, I'm glad that he sent mine because I don't know what's going to happen at our fellowship, amen, uh, coming down the road. And it's, it's really a concern uh, for y'all. Amen? It's not a concern for me in the same sense that it is for y'all. It's a concern for me because I love my home church. It's not a concern for me because as long as Charles D. Twyman breathing in and out, that's my pastor. I, I you know, I, you know I, ain't, I ain't dissing nobody. You know, I'm just telling the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that that's always my pastor. But I'm in a different place, amen? I've I'm, I'm been pastor 27 years myself. So when I need counsel, I need advice, I got to go to my pastor. I can't go to a dude 10 years younger than me. How'd that work? But, but that's, that's the gift that God gave me. You see, this message is very personal, and it should be personal for you as well. 
because that's the person that's going to lead and guide your life. I am, it's personal for me because God showed me a long time ago how much he loved me because he sent me to 5080 Belmont. He showed me how much he loved me because he sent that man into my life and I'm thankful for that gift. I'm thankful for the gift of the pastor that God sent to the Macedonia Baptist Church in January of 1980. I'm thankful for that gift and I'll tell you what I'm thankful for the greatest gift of all because it was through that gift of Jesus Christ that our pastor got his gift of preaching and got his gift of pastoring you don't believe me when you get home read Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, Jesus huh came down and gave what gifts to the church and among those gifts was what pastor and teacher amen why so that the flock would no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that we might do what come into the unity of the faith i'm getting ready to go in my seat when i tell you this old story there's an old story about human beings about mankind about god's creation how once sin came into this world god's creation was separated from him no matter how much he loved us he's holy and he couldn't rub up against anything holy so every person born after the great sin was born separated from God is their daddy. He's everybody's creator, but he's not everybody's father. And because God is holy, he can't rub up against nothing that's unholy. But he loved us so much uh, that this weekend we will celebrate the greatest gift of all because he sent his son through 40 and 2 generations. Born in Bethlehem of Judea, uh, they put him in a manger in an animal trough because there was no room for him in the end. Uh, and that same Jesus uh, grew up and at the age of 12 confounded wise men and scholars in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, we didn't hear from him again until he was 30 years old and he said, I must be about my father's business. He wasn't talking about Joseph the carpenter because Joseph was not that baby's daddy. He was talking about God the father who was his father. And guess what he did? For three and a half years, he opened up blind eyes. He told lame people People to get up and walk again. He told blind folk to see again. He even went to the cemetery and told dead people, live on. He authenticated who he is. He showed Israel that I am the chosen one. I am the Messiah. I am the one sent by God. And then that same Jesus, you know the story, don't you? Went from judgment hall to judgment hall. Was whipped and beaten all night long. Uh, they put a crown of thorns around his head they pierced him in his side and they nailed him to an old rugged cross at Golgotha the place of the skull the place we call Calvary and the great gift from God died upon that cross for your sin and for my sin but thanks be to God he didn't stay dead because the record says that early Sunday morning he got up from the grave stepped out on resurrection ground proclaimed that all power is in his hands all power power to steal the wind 
power to lift you out of the muck and mire of misery power from on high I don't know about you but I'm thankful for that gift uh, I got that gift over 36 years ago July 31st 1985 6 p.m. in the evening on a Tuesday when he saved my black heart and my wretched soul so when Christmas comes around I just get misty-eyed because I remember how I was living. I remember how raggedy my life was. I remember how much pain I was in. But that great gift of God, help me Holy Ghost, that great gift of God in the person of his son Jesus Christ, I'm thankful to this day. And then I'm thankful for the one that taught me the word. I'm thankful for the one that preached me up under the table. I'm thankful for the one that served and blessed my life. That's another gift. So Lord, thank you for all the gifts you've given us. Is there anybody in here that's thankful today? Is there anybody in here that loves the Lord? Is there anybody in here? Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. talking about another gift another gift man see people see y'all get stuff so twisted people uh, uh, you always talking about your pastor bunk you negro don't make Dexter come out on me I'm going to my seat I'm going to tell you a true story I was on vacation in October and you know you you got to listen to the Lord vacation or not and I was in Cincinnati Ohio getting ready to go to the Bengals game oh I've been to the Bengals game and at 3 a.m. God woke me up and told me to go on Facebook live and I talked about this thing about having difficult conversations right and we have to do that in the lives with people sometimes and so people were blessed by it. They were commenting on it. And in the middle of the comments was a woman who's a part of our fellowship that said, it's funny you bring this up because I was in the hospital having brain surgery and you never called and prayed with me. When I got out, I never heard from you, blah, blah, blah. Right? Well, number one, that's a lie. I talked to her and prayed for her the night before the surgery. Prayed with her when she got out of the hospital, called and checked on her multiple times. And I don't have the time to go in and tell you all the things God used me for in this woman's life. Okay? So this is a lie. So that tells me what? This is from Satan because he's the father of lies. Right? So here's the point that I'm making. One of our ministries had an event, the Golden Glories. They went to breakfast. They wanted me and Saitori to come, but we were out of town, but we got back in town and time enough to go. But I did not go because my wife said, I don't want to eat there. I want some breakfast, some Zoe's pancakes. And guess what? The head of that ministry had invited me and invited that woman. So that told me, you are my enemy. You can't be on my side. Because this is how we do and view pastors. So here's the point I'm making. If anybody 
had done that to Charles D. Twyman, you would no longer be in my circle. I'm not talking to you and don't let me see you. But they didn't afford me that protection. They didn't afford me that. And it's cool. I understand. I, I don't have no issue with it. But I'm telling you how we are to interact. I dare somebody to do something to that man. You want to come through me. And you don't want to do that. I wear a strong 250. Because that's God's gift to me. And no, God didn't have me preach this because we trusted to pick a pastor. Notice what I said, trusting to. My pastor taught me when you save, you don't try no more. We tried in the world. Now we trust to do. Matter of fact, I don't know why he had me preach this. Because I didn't want to. I had a nice hallelujah shouting sermon. And I only get three of those a year. But I want you to know that I love you. And I'm praying with you. And that if there's any person in here who's never accepted Jesus Christ, our deacons are ready to receive you. Doors of the church are open. Won't you come? You may have been a church member a long time. But maybe you haven't been redeemed. Maybe you haven't been born again. You can come. Is there one today? Glory to God. Is there another? Uh, we need some stronger appreciation of what God has done.